have the students from Heartland Baptist Bible College in Oklahoma City. And Brother and Mrs. Hainline is their sponsors with us here tonight. And uh, we've been at it for two full days. And uh, we've got three more to go, four more to go until we get to Monday. It won't all be quite as intense as it has uh, the last two, but Brother Burton Gates is coming up with Phil- from Philadelphia tomorrow, so it's going to be a wild time in the big city, I am sure. Uh, always is when Brother Gates is around. Amen. And so pray for him. Safe travel. He's going to try to be up here by 11 o'clock. We're trying to work it out to where he can leave Philadelphia after the rush hour and, and still get here in good time. So just pray for all of that. And... Um, uh, keep it in prayer. Uh, Vincent, I've asked you to pray for him. He told me today he was signing the permission letter and going to send it to us. Haven't gotten it yet. So keep praying, all right? Uh, and uh, Lord willing, we'll get the scaffolding. Uh, had uh, took the class and got a quote from the teacher. And it was $600 to take the class. And we saved $5,000 on the scaffolding bill. I'd say that's a pretty good return. And so uh, uh, just uh, keep all of those things. The Lord is working. We are starting to move again. And so keep it all in prayer. Uh, let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for the opportunity to take uh, the blessings that you have blessed us with and share them. Share our burden with these students. Lord, we just ask you to work in each heart and each life. Lord, we ask that you would... Give us grace to keep serving you till you come back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated and back into the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. And we're just going to work our way through the book of 1 John. We still got, hopefully we'll finish chapter 4 tonight. Then we'll just have one more chapter to go. And... Um, Chapter 4 is testing the spirits, false spirits. Chapter 3 is false professors. Chapter 2 is false Christ. And John is warning the people because we get this idea that somehow we have arrived in our Christianity. That's what John chapter 1 is about. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And chapter 4, we're given three tests. We're, we're to try the spirits because there's an awful lot out there that looks really good. But it's not of God. I mean, you turn on the TV and there's a guy there and he's got a big smile and nice teeth and all that good stuff that you need to be on TV. And, and you listen to him and he just makes you feel good inside. You come here, and he makes you feel bad. But you see, if you actually had cancer, would you want the doctor to lie about you and tell you everything's going to be fine, and then you get sick and you die? Uh, I think there'd be a lawsuit in there somewhere, wouldn't there? And yet people pay lots and lots of money to be told how nice everything is and how good they are. The only problem is once you die and miss heaven, there's no lawsuits. There's no court of last resort. There's no appeals. It is finished. It's done. 
And so we want to be careful how we teach and what we teach. And it says, try the spirits. And here's the first test. The first test, hereby, verse 2, hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And, and we talked about that. The spirit of Antichrist is not the idiot that gets up on the platform and says God is dead. That's just stupid. I mean, what else can you say? You can't fix it. It's a problem that if they don't have no sense, you're not going to give them any. Amen? Antichrist is the guy that says, I am Jesus Christ. Or worse yet, if you really want to know the Father, you read my book or you listen to me. There's something else you have to do. That's what Jesus meant when he said on the cross. That's the first test. The second test is down here in uh, uh, verse 6. It says, uh, verse 5 and 6, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. And the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. Do you get what John's saying there? He's saying, I'm the one that walked with Jesus. I'm the one that he gave the message to. And if you're not listening to what I am saying, you're not of Christ. That would behoove us when we have all of this, quote unquote, diversity. Uh, As I've said, I pity the next person that comes up to me and says, well, that's your opinion. That's your, your interpretation. I'm sorry, it doesn't belong to me. This is God's Word. And and He doesn't give us a lot of latitude in in, uh, uh, curving it. Have you ever met someone who says, Well, I I told the truth, but I just molded it a little. Well, my mama had a word for that. She said, Liar. And when my mama used that word, I knew something bad was going to happen to whoever she was directing that at. Uh, it just wasn't going to be good because you could get away with a lot. <clears throat> but that was one thing you didn't do around our house and survive. Amen? Uh, at least feel like it. Uh, but let me tell you, that was, that's the way it ought to be. And that's what John is saying here. He said, they talk of the world. They talk about worldly things. If the world likes it, Maybe God doesn't. And then the third test is the love test. You know, there's an awful lot that goes on for love. And John is going to do in the last part of this chapter what he often does is he's going to go back and he's going to summarize things. Maybe not necessarily in the same order, but he's going to summarize everything that he's dealt. We're going to just... Dive in here in verse 14. It says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Do you think that has any correlation back to verse 1 and 2 where it says, The the test of a true spirit is the fact that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Amen. Uh, there, there is a connection here. And, and he says in verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, 
and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. And God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God Love his brother also. And so what we have here is John going back and just summarizing this thing. He, and by the way, uh, the word love is found 46 times in the five chapters of 1 John. That was an amazing fact when I counted that up. I said, wow, that is, that is incredible. Twenty-seven of those 46 times is in John chapter 4. And we call 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter. Uh, I think this ought to be the love chapter. I mean, it's mentioned far more times here than it is in 1 Corinthians 13. And it talks far more about how love works and how it ought to work in our lives and how it is active in our lives and how that... You know, the world has a saying, love trumps all. It has nothing to do with the candidate. Sorry, it's just as cliche that they use. I uh, didn't mean to bring that up tonight. But uh, the, the whole thing is, uh, the world uh, uh, is talks about love. Love is number one. Uh, when I was a little kid, there's a song they played on radio. What the world needs more is love, sweet love. It's the only thing there's just not, there's just too little of. It's... It's actually ridiculous how you can remember those stupid lyrics all these years later. It just sits there and runs through your head. There's not too little love in the world because God is in the world. It's just the fact that people ignore God. It's like all the hungry people. People are not starving in this world today because there's not enough food. I'm a little tired of hearing the radio broadcast, the radio ads, one in five American children are hungry. I think I had a little something to do with that odds, amen? Uh, I, I just get a little tired of that. If that many children are hungry in this country, it's because of Budweiser selling its beer. It's because of the legalization of marijuana. It's because of the drug dealers on the corners. It's because of behavior that is aberrant. It is not because there's not enough food. Walk down to the supermarket. I mean, it is there. We are paying farmers not to raise food. Another sermon. Uh, just, just get weary about that stuff. We have all of the food that we need. We're just not using it wisely. We have evil men and women controlling the distribution 
And I'm not talking about a conspiracy. I'm talking about people who buy beer rather than food for their kids. I'm talking about warlords who hoard up the food and let it rot so that they can control the people that live in their district. That's what's going on. It's the same with God's love, my friend. God has enough love for every person that has ever lived. It's here. There's enough love to empty every psychiatric ward in the world. It's just that people won't accept it. I think I told the story. I know I've told it more than once over the years. But I had a person who was a member of one of the churches we were in on deputation and we knew the church well <clears throat> from Ohio, and, and I got a call, and, and uh, she explained that she had talked her brother across Manhattan Island, payphone to payphone, to keep him from committing suicide. And she wanted me to go visit him in the hospital. She said, I got an $800 phone bill trying to keep him alive. Would you, would you go and try to witness to him? I said, how, how could you say no to that? I said, sure, tell me where he is. So I went down and we sat across the table. I said, your sister from Ohio. Oh, yeah, I know her. She loves me. I said, she sent me to talk to you about the Bible. And we talked a little bit. And I said, now I'd like to open the Bible. He says, no, I don't want any of that stuff. I said, what? I said, you let your sister spend all that money to talk you across Manhattan so you could get to the hospital and not kill yourself. And she's asked me to come and talk to you about the Bible. You don't want to do this. And he says, no. He says, you're crazy. He says, my sister's crazy. I said, have you taken any account of where you are? I said, that door's got a lock on it said, I'm going to knock on that door and they're going to let me go home. They're not going to do that for you. Uh, you're locked in here. And you're going to call me crazy? I said, I, I don't think I understand this very well. But there wasn't anything we could talk to. The answers were there. But he wouldn't take them. You see, the world always makes a crisis out of something that is not, so they can have authority to do something they ought not do. Boy, doesn't that that just explain so much of what's going on today? And, And the worst part is in religion. Listen, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Aren't you glad about that? Can you say amen that Jesus Christ was sent by God the Father to be the Savior of the world? And it's not Joseph Smith. has nothing to do with it. Amen? And uh, that little guy called Muhammad, uh, he has nothing to do with God's love and God's salvation. And uh, Miss White, who who founded the Seventh-day Adventist cult, she doesn't know anything about God's love. and what these, This is the spirit of Antichrist. This is how we know the false spirits are there. Because they always tell us about something else we need to do. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, it's more than just saying the words, my friend. 
The word confess means to tell the truth, to make a statement of truth. And I've often used this in witnessing to someone about their soul. The police pick you up and they say, confess. And you say, what did I do? And they say, you just murdered a man two blocks over. Okay, I confess. You're going to jail. Not because you murdered the guy two blocks over, but because you confessed to a crime you didn't commit. That's called perjury. They can do all kinds of things unless you're a president. And uh, uh, they can, uh, 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 you're, you're in big, big trouble because they think they have the guy that committed the crime and he gets away while they haul you off to jail. See, the word confess means to make a statement of truth. If you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then you believe that He died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. Otherwise, you're calling Him a liar. Amen? You believe that He rose again from the dead. Otherwise, you're saying Jesus didn't tell the truth. You're saying that John here was giving, giving testimony to, a, to something that didn't happen. It says, If you'll confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. Now we come to verse 16 and we move on. It says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Do you get that? That's what I meant a few moments ago when I said there's plenty of love in the world. You see, I believe it. I have all the love that I need because God loves me. And we're going to find out in a few minutes what that love will do for you. Have, if you've ever met someone that has great <clears throat> uh, relational disturbances in their life, uh, bad relationships with their parents and their brothers and sisters and other family members and, and people, that, that translates into so many different things in their life. But I'll tell you who can fix it. God can. I've heard people say, well, nobody ever loved me. Oh, that's not true. I'm so glad that I got news for you. Jesus loved you. God the Father loved you. In fact, He loved you more than any other person could ever love you. You see, we can love enough to give our lives for our friends. Only God can love enough. To give his life for his enemy. Because if you loved enough to give your life for your enemy, we would call you a traitor. Wouldn't we? You're out on the battlefield and you give your life to save the enemy. I think that would be a traitor because that means more of your own men are going to die. See, you can't do that. God has drawn a boundary. He says we can only do so much in this thing called love because we need to understand that it's all about God. It's not about us. 
And we have believed that love that God has toward us. And we have that love. And see, God is love. We're going back to the love test here. As we look through uh, verses 7 and 8, it tells us to love one another. If I love God, I'm going to love other people. But it's going to be God's definition. How much did God love man? i got about 1,400 pages right here. Amen? How many of you have spent some time with God's love letter today? He's going to tell you about it. You're going to understand about it. You're going to spend time with it. It says we believe that love because God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Now, I'll tell you what, that is one of those statements that we might term erythral, heavenly, spiritual. And so John wants to make sure that we don't allow this statement to remain in that spirit realm. He's going to explain to us in these next few verses how living in that love, how that love living in us, is going to manifest itself, is going to appear. And so we get to verse 17. says, Herein is our love made perfect. Now, what does that mean? If your love needs to be made perfect, that means there's, there's a progression here. That means there's some things that are going to happen. Uh, that also means that there's an opportunity that things might not be worked out the way that they ought to be worked out because we messed up, because we stepped out of the way. And it tells us that if this love is made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, how many of you have ever just sat down and thought about the judgment of God? Thought about that day that you are called before the Bema Seat of Christ if you're saved. And you're going to give an account of your works. How many of you does that just strike a little fear in your heart? Okay, well this verse says that if our love is made perfect, we will have boldness in that day. We don't have to be afraid of God. That's what boldness is. It's not this cocky American thing. We can handle this. How many of you remember that? Hey, you know, there are some things that God never meant you to handle. That's why it says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for us. Amen? I don't claim to be that strong, but Jesus is. And with him carrying the load, it's a whole lot easier to walk. And that's what he wants us to do. And it says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Then there's this little phrase in here that is just a little tough. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, I want to be careful here because I don't want to be accused of adding to the text or changing it. But the Bible just told us 
what God is. Didn't it? What did it say? God is. So, let's just look at that and see if that fits. You see, because as He is love, so are we His love in this world. You see, God is love. And He showed His love by sending His Son, Jesus, to this world. And Jesus said, I'm going to show my love to this world by sending my disciples into this world. And they'll know ye are Christians by your biblical knowledge. Is that what it says? Uh, No, it says... By your love, one for another. That's a scary thing. I often joke on wedding day that uh, marriage is God's institute for the blind. Amen? Because love is blind, but after marriage, blind eyes do see. (laughs) You understand a whole lot more that you didn't think you knew. You thought you knew everything till you said, I do. Let me tell you, God is love. And He wants us to show His love to the world in which we live. And that is a fearful thing. But if my love is made perfect, the next verse fits in just so well because it's supposed to. Amen? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. How many of you have been afraid to pass out a gospel track? Been afraid to witness to somebody? Been afraid? To say something for the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to get some work. We've got to allow our love to be made perfect. Amen? We've got to let our love for Jesus overcome our fear of other people. But we have to remember, I go through this pretty often around here. You've seen this bumper sticker, no fear. You need to know something. There's a lot of other things missing too. Amen? Uh, It's just not the way it ought to be. But if I want to get rid of fear, love is the cure. God's love. Because as He is, so are we in this world. You see, we've talked about the love test. And that love that God has, if it's in here, it's going to come out. It's got to. It's too powerful to hold on to it all for yourself. You see, that's what makes a good marriage a good marriage. Is your spouse gives you love. You go, wow, this is wonderful. Let me give some back. 
And it just goes back and forth. And that's what makes marriage fun. Amen? Married men, you better say amen. You're going to get it when you get home. And you ought to. But that, that's, that's the way it works. God gives us love. And what do we do? If we receive it, we give some back and we say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe He's the only way. I put my faith and trust. I surrender my life to Him. I confess the Lord Jesus. Amen? And I believe that He raised again from the dead. That's that's salvation. And then He gives some more love. And you understand that that salvation is eternal. Say, hey, I'm going to get wet for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to serve Him in His church. Because the church is His body. Amen? And we want to, and then God blesses us in our lives. And we say, wow, this is great. I want to serve Him a little more. If we could get a little more happier about the love we have with God, maybe some other people would see it and want what we have. Amen? And so we're closing out this chapter, and he goes back and and, and says in verse 20 and 21, If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Now, the way I have it in my notes is, Test number one is in is reviewed in verses 14 and 15. Test number three, which is God's love, is reviewed in verses 16 through 19. And then 20 and 22 is test number two, where John says, Listen, we are of God, and if you're listening to us, then we can know that you're of God because I'm the one that's preaching God's message. And John says, listen, you can say you love God all day long. How much love did the Pharisees profess to have in God? Jesus said they tied the the mint, the anise, and the cumin. How many of you got a little box of herbs in your windowsill? They don't grow well around here unless you got the right kind of window, but... We tried to grow a few, but they all kind of died off after a while. But they would count out the leaves from the herb garden and save one out of every ten for the temple. Could you imagine taking your seasoning and cutting up the leaves and setting out one for the temple? You'd have to be pretty careful about your What you did to do that kind of stuff, now wouldn't you? But he said, you passed over the love of God. You passed over mercy. He said, these what you ought to have done. And that's where most of us end that verse. But it doesn't end there, does it? It says, and not to leave the other undone. Honoring God is not a problem. But if your honor to God doesn't reflect in your love for other people, And by the way, is love permissiveness? Is it? If you love your little child, 
you're going to teach him or her the meaning of at least one word. I like to put it this way. My dad taught me the meaning of two words. No and now. And they're both spelled very similar. There's a whole lifetime of education in just knowing the meaning of those two words, isn't there? You know what? I can look back and, and I can remember some pretty hurtful things. <clears throat> but you know what? That wasn't Dad's fault. I imagine I was a pretty frustrating kid at times. But I know my dad loved me. Because he taught me the meaning of the word no. And he most certainly taught me the meaning of the word now. Uh, Those are two words that uh, I, I still treasure greatly in my life. Amen? You know, God says... No, you're not going to get to heaven your own way. And he says, today is the day of salvation. Better do it now. Because you have no guarantees of tomorrow. God loves me. He loves me so much he sent Jesus to die on the cross. In my place. If I believe that love, why am I worried About fill in the blank. Terrorism. Why am I worried about the election? I mean, I am concerned for my country, yes. But I'm glad to know God's still in control. No matter who wins this election. And my job doesn't change. Every once in a while I'll get a call from somebody that came to our church years ago and stopped coming for some reason or another. Yeah, I was thinking about coming back. I said, we're still doing the same thing we were when you left, and we'll welcome you back. We haven't changed here. Yeah, that's the crazy part about you guys. You just don't, you don't move with the world. God never intended us to move with the world. He intended us to move according to His direction. You see, that's love. Amen? And if I love God, who I cannot see, I have to love my brother, who I can see. And if I can't love my brother, who I can see, then... I got a problem with understanding what God's love is. Because John said so. You see, he was ordained by Jesus Christ as an apostle. And he was under the influence and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he penned these words. And if we don't listen to him, we go back to test number two and we can know that that is a false spirit. How many religions do you know that teach hate? How many religions have been a shield for the prejudice that is out there? We know that that's a false spirit. The Bible says so. Identified 
You flunk one of these tests, you're out of here. We're rejecting that spirit. Because the true spirit of Christ passed all three tests. Amen? And so what we have here is John just summarizing this. And I'll tell you, if you apply these three tests, it really narrows the field. That Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, that there is no other work, that God sent His Son to be the Savior and not the priest. That's offensive to some people. Not doing the best you can. We're all the children of God. You know, that doesn't ring true in the real world either. Not every child in this church belongs to me. Amen? Somebody says, how many kids do you have? I said, 12. We just wanted all that God would give us, no extras. You see, we're not all children of God unless we're born into His family. Amen? Then He's obligated to take care of us. And He does. He's never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. But if I have His love, you know what that does? That completely frees me. When I come to you, I don't have to expect anything. If you say, no, I don't want your stupid track, I don't want to hear about Jesus, I don't want the blah, 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 get out of my face, blankety, blank, blank. You know what? You haven't injured me at all. I don't need to be afraid of what you're going to do to me. I like what the old preacher said. The guy pulled around the corner and stuck a pistol in his belly and said, Your money or your life? And he goes, Don't threaten me with heaven, young man. Uh, I just like that. I would pray that if that ever happened to me, that I'd have enough guts and enough memory to think about that. Probably go, Okay, bang! Well, I get to go to heaven anyway, amen? Listen. We've got three tests. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. You know, they accuse us of being robots and all of this, but that's not the way it is. I've I've often given this illustration. There's a guy named Peter Reidman, lived in the 1550s. He was in prison in Bohemia, modern-day Germany, somewhere there, wherever that is. And... uh, As he was in prison because he was not of the Catholic faith, he decided to write down what he believed to keep himself from going crazy in the dungeon. And uh, the book was published and then translated into English. And I had a copy. I have a copy of it. Somebody found it. And I got it back. And I'll tell you what he wrote about in that book. I was writing our church constitution when I got that book. And I could have copied out Peter Reidman's writings and put it right in our church constitution. We didn't speak the same language. We didn't live in the same century. Had no no friends in common. 
But we had a book in common. And we believed the same things. You see, that's why John said, if you don't listen to us, you're not a God. No, I don't think Baptists are the only people that are saved. There's an awful lot of them that aren't. It's not in the name. It's in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have that relationship, guess what? You're going to want to be a part of his church. You're going to want to do what's right because if you love Jesus, you're going to, we're going to find out. You're going to keep his commandments and they're not even going to be grievous. Amen? Oh, but it's so hard to serve the Lord. It is with your own effort, sure. But if you got love, that's not hard to serve. Because you want to. Amen? And that brings us back to the love test. And if I love God, I'm going to love people. But it's going to be God's love. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You. We thank You for Your Word. Lord, we ask that You would help us to take this to heart. To really understand that there is so much out there. We could go, I could go on all night and I don't want to. About how many different groups and religions fail these tests. But Lord, let us not focus on failures. But let us ask you to make Open Door Bible Baptist Church pass all three tests. Let us strive in our own lives to pass all three tests. Let us love your word enough that our love spills over into the lives of others. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish our prayer, we'll have the piano play. We'll keep our heads bowed. If you need to slip out and spend a few moments, the altar's open. We'll be done in just a few moments.